before I could firmly build it on the scripture and the gospels. So we know which way we're going to go, right? We're going to build it on the scriptures. So if you're ready, let's go. If you, can have a, if you have a Bible, please open up to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hugh did a phenomenal job last week just setting up a basis uh, for our origin and where we come from. And by no means do I want to sort of rehearse what he spoke about last week, um, but it's, it's, I feel that it's so vital and so pivotal that we understand uh, the truth about our origin. Understanding the beginning is the beginning of understanding. The first verse in the Bible may include the foremost important words ever written. In the beginning, God. The understanding of this one verse is the foundation upon all truth. Before we can comprehend the end of the age or our present purpose, we must first understand the beginning. This is the foundation upon which everything else is built. In the beginning, God. These four words are worthy of a lifetime of study and will be the basis upon which an eternity of worship will be founded. We exist because of God. Even today, the most pressing philosophical uh, controversies still revolve around our origin. And this is understandable. Because when we answer this one, one question right, all answers to all questions become possible. If we answer it wrong, the door is open to almost every form of darkness and deception. Just as the strength of a foundation will determine the magnitude of what can be built on it, the depth to which we understand this one truth about our origin can determine the spiritual strength of our entire life. When we understand that we had our beginnings in God and that he made us for his purpose, we are compelled to return to him. Since he made us, we are his. Therefore, his purpose and his plan must guide our lives. If God made us, then we can no longer claim to be the center of our universe. He is the center. Jesus, God, is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is I am. All things will be summed up in him. In John 1, it's written like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In Isaiah, God was speaking to Israel in Isaiah 43.10. And he declares to Israel, you are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me. And understand that I alone am God. <clears throat> there is no other God. There never has been. And there never will be. There is only one God. There's many fake gods. And fake Christs. But there is only one God. Just as every compass will point to the magnetic north, all else will ultimately point to him. 
the magnetic pole of truth. With this pole of truth in our hearts, we have a basis for every decision. What is God's will? This is our destiny and the goal of our life, to return to the one who made you, the one who conceived you in his heart, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who gifted you, the one who calls you to the original blueprint of your life. In Psalm 139, the message translation says it like this, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, you breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I had even lived one day. In the beginning, God created a physical universe that was constructed of physical elements like light and water and which was filled with plants and living creatures that had designed reproductive power within them, including us, mankind, who was created in his image. And all of these elements and creatures functioned in accord with the physical laws that God established to provide order within the universe. And he gave man the authority to have dominion over all these plants and these living creatures, to manage it all in a way that would glorify him. And when he had finished with the acts of creation, he concluded that everything was very good. In order for man to maintain this blessing of dominion that he had received from God, the created only, he only had to keep one law. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In this law, God required man to trust him for the guiding knowledge of what is good and what was evil in the earth and not to seek any other source of such knowledge through his ability to exercise his unique freedom and to make choices. So we know the story. They disobeyed God and they ate the fruit. In an instant, they died spiritually and death enters man and all creation. Man's relationship to God is broken. Instantly, sin has separated man from God. Immediately, Adam and Eve felt shame. They realized that they were naked, so they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. That was not adequate. This is so, so important to understand. There is nothing we can do to cover our own sins. Our good works will never balance the evil and make us acceptable to God or cover the shame and wounding that sin does to our souls. The Lord made a covering for them by shedding the blood of an innocent animal. This is believed to be the first prophecy of the atonement that Jesus would make by shedding his blood 
for our sins. So how does God rescue sinful man without contradicting who he is or violating who he is? You see, the whole problem really comes back to the nature of God. In Isaiah 5.16, it tells us that God is just, God is holy, and God cannot violate his attributes, who he is. He cannot do something that contradicts himself. He is a righteous God. Now that is a good thing, right? It would be terrifying to think that this universe was created by an evil God. And a, uh, an omnipotent God that was evil would be absolutely terrifying. So it is good that God is good. It is good that God is just. But then it presents also another problem. If God is just, what does he do with us? Do you want to know what the most terrifying truth in the scriptures is? It's that God is good. So what's the problem with that? What's the problem with the fact that God is good? Why is that terrifying? It's terrifying to know that God is good because we're not. So what does a good God do with people like us? Sinners. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against man. We've sinned against creation. We've sinned against everything. If God is just, then what does he do with us? If a just God simply pardons the wicked, he is no longer just. If a holy God calls the wicked to himself to have fellowship with him, he is not holy. So the great question of all scriptures is this. How does a just God pardon wicked men and still be just? How does a holy God call wicked men into fellowship with him and still be holy? The answer is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Jesus Christ, we see this tremendous, unique revelation of the fullness of God's attributes. God is just. He must condemn our sin. God is love. And so he becomes a man in his son Jesus. Lives a perfect life as a man and then goes to the cross. And on the cross, the sins of his people are cast upon him. And all the justice of God, all the wrath of God that we deserve is thrown down on the head of Christ. The exact measure that was required in order to fully satisfy the justice of God. After suffering, Jesus said, it is finished. That meant he did what was required to satisfy God's justice against God's people. He paid the price in full. It is finished. This is so very important to understand. This, that it wasn't that our sins were atoned for simply because the Romans beat Jesus up and nailed him to a cross. Our sins are atoned for because on the cross he bore our sin and it pleased the Lord. The wrath of God that should have fallen on me and you fell on him, his only begotten son, and he suffered in full. He paid the price. He died. You see, the wages of sin is death. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of God and there is no name. There is no 
other name. There is no other name given to men whereby they might be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it puts it like this. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. And in order to be saved, the Bible calls all men to repent of their sins and to believe the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is this. That God is just and man is not and worthy of all condemnation. That in order to forgive men, God's justice had to be first satisfied. And that was done on the cross where Jesus stood in the law place of his people. He stood in our place. He bore our sin and was crushed under the full weight of God's wrath against them. On dying, he paid the price in full. He has risen from the dead. Now all men everywhere may be saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I must say this. No one is born a Christian. Because your parents are Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Christianity is not a tradition. It's not a culture. The gospel must be personally accepted. We must personally respond to the call of the gospel. So you would say, well, what happens when we respond? What happens when we hear the truth and agree with the truth and accept the truth? The, the word is very clear about a lot of these things. And I'm going to hit a couple of those points. Instantly you come alive. When you give your life to Jesus, you instantly come alive. You are dead. Instantly you come alive. As your spirit is reconciled to God. When I first got saved, the first thing I felt was God's peace and love and absolute acceptance. But for weeks after that, the world looked different to me. My phys the physical world around me looked different. I can't explain it. Something inside of me had changed, which changed my perspective of life. Something changed inside. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, in him... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven. Luke 7, 48. And he said unto her, your sins are forgiven. You are justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 4, 5. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. You are redeemed. Redeemed is to recover ownership by paying a price, a, spe a specified sum. In Revelations 5 9, it says, They sung a new song, singing, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, and language, and people, and nation. Peter, uh, Peter 1.18, 
For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. You become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 1.5 He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. We become sons and daughters of God. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You receive full access to God. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. You receive an inheritance. 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You have peace with God. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. You have an advocate, an attorney of defense. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We receive heavenly citizenship, Ephesians 2.19. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. You are sanctified. You are set apart for the purposes of God. You become ambassadors for Christ. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 You become a priest of God. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are chosen but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation a peculiar people that you should sh show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you give your life to Jesus, you're given spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to, to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Isn't that the good news? This transformation from being dead to alive. We were dead. Now we are made alive, called, set apart, blessed, purposed, anointed to walk with this king. 
We are called to an eternal relationship. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The NIV puts it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The message translation puts it like this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Today Jesus sits at the right hand of God as king and judge over all creation. This is the story of rescue God has authored. He invites us through repentance and faith. <clears throat> Sorry, I just lost my spot. So this is the story of the rescue God has authored. He invites us through repentance and faith to make his story of rescue the one we trust in and live in. When we do, everything changes. And now what does the future hold? For everyone that trusts in Jesus alone for rescue, God has promised to restore your heart and to set you free from sin's hold because God is loving. God is kind. He is merciful. He is forgiving, tender-hearted and true. God has also promised to make all things new. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Forever free from sin, everything that causes pain and sadness will be gone. God has also promised to be with us forever. The moment you trust in Jesus, your relationship with God is restored because Jesus has closed the divide that caused that sin caused. Getting to know this all-loving God starts today and continues forever. For God's story never ends. You can make God's story the foundation of your life, even now, by admitting your need for God's rescue, asking forgiveness for your sin, and trusting in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you and following Jesus by faith from this moment on. Let me pray for us. Yes, do you want to pray? Let me pray for us. If everyone can close their eyes. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you realize that you've heard this message before. But you've never personally responded to Jesus. Perhaps you have a deep sense of something going on in your heart, a stirring, a pulling. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will draw you. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you have never truly trusted in Jesus. I mean all in, fully surrendered. You may not know what tomorrow is going to look like, but I promise you this, God has a plan and a future for you. If you're sitting in this room and you've never made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So here's what I'd like to do. With eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm going to count to three. If you're sitting in this room 
and you want to fully surrender your life to Jesus, go all in from this day forward. I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead, raise your hand. Father, we love you. You are so awesome. We thank you so much, Lord, that you made a way for us, that we can be reconciled to the Father, that we can know your love, that we can know your intimacy, that we can know your desires and your heart. We worship you this morning. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus, that men can be saved by trusting in you and you alone that you have paid the price for our sin and we thank you Lord we thank you for making it so easy that we acknowledge and you take us at our word we bless you Father we bless you so much this morning Amen so um, one more thing guys I really have faith this morning um, to see God do awesome things in people's lives. I have faith to see breakthrough. I have faith to see signs, wonders, and miracles. If you want prayer for anything this morning, if you need breakthrough, if you need to just be uh, refreshed, come on up. Megan and I will pray for you guys. Um, yeah, so come on up. That's what I got. Thanks, you. Thank you, Gavin. It's a... Uh... The gospel, no matter how many times you hear it, no matter how, how many times I hear it, it's always wonderful to really sit there and think about the mighty God that wants to reconcile with us, wants to talk to us, wants to get to know us again. Because, like Gavin said, He is good. He is just. And for us, we have sinned from the beginning, so we cannot reconcile with Him. And because He's good and He's just, as Gavin said, he can't reconcile us, him to us. So he needs, something has to happen. And that's through Jesus Christ. And, um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Um, I know we, we just shared for a little bit. Um, um, I know we, Gavin and Megan will be available to pray for anyone who needs something or trusting for something to be prayed for. But I know we also have um, Vanessa and I. I have a word. Yes, something for, for you guys. So, Anthony, I have a word for you. So maybe if you want to come forward after, if you're okay too, and we can pray for you. Okay, that's it. So thank you again, Gavin, for preparing, spending time, and uh, just willing to pray and hear from God and share with us the things that God has for us. Uh, with that said, we're done with the meeting, but feel free to stay around, uh, hang out, have some coffee, get to know each other. And also I want to encourage you guys uh, I know this is a family, and I know on the Sunday it's not an easy time and, and not a lot of time for us to get to know each other, so I want to encourage you guys to connect with each other throughout the week. You know, find a way to, to get together because as God put us in this family together, He wants us to knit and build with each other uh, and, and get to know each other more, and that's how we can grow and learn from each other, and that's how we can encourage each other through the relationship that we have. So uh, that's all we have. And, One uh, final thing. Sorry. One announcement. We do have the building longer today till 1230 from now on. 
So there's not the urgency to tear down. So please, like he said, hang out, talk to someone you haven't talked to, maybe make a lunch plan with someone you've never had lunch with. And then also for the kids, parents, I've been um, instructed to tell the parents to pick up kids within, you know, a pretty close window to when we finish. So maybe within the next five, 10 minutes, get your kids so that the children's workers can clean up. Thank you. All right, thank you, everybody.